the thing about Dalen Hurts that I think is so unique is he works harder than anybody else that I know at becoming more of a natural and fluid passer this offseason. Uh, the, the strides that he made from his freshman year at Alabama to where he is today in Oklahoma are bigger than anybody I think we've ever seen at the quarterback position. On this episode of Against the Grain, we'll talk to one of the emerging quarterback gurus who has a very important game this coming weekend when his guy, Deshaun Watson, goes up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to the Against the Grain podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. I'm here with my trusty producer, Mario Miranda. How's it going? Oh. <laughs> I'm new. I'm new to the mic. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> growing into your role. See, that's how I came up, a producer with Dan. Like, you got to know your place. Yeah. Not, not, hey, how's it going? What Did should I, I ever say? say that to Dan Patrick? What should I say? Yo. Yo. Not, not so deep. Yo, Yo, what's going on, man? That better? All right. Let's just move on. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to brag a little bit here. On my Sports Illustrated football show, I've been making four picks against the spread every week. I actually just improved to 14 and 7 with the Patriots' miraculous cover over the Giants last night. That was bizarre. So it was a 17-point spread, biggest spread in Thursday night history. That I had no idea they were going to cover. I thought it was over. And then they somehow put on the gas at the end. Tom Brady, quarterback sneaking like he's 25 years old to get that touchdown and the cover, so I'm feeling good. Couple lines stand out to me big time this week. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm an Eagles fan from Philadelphia. They're at Minnesota. Vikings are three-point favorites. Now, the Vikings are such a different team at home. I mean, they are legit. I know the Kirk Cousins can't play in a big game, but come on, the Eagles are decimated in the secondary. I think that the, the Vikings win and cover this game. It doesn't matter. I think the Eagles are going to be fine. But I feel like this. if the Vikings can't win this game, then this is over. Like, they need to win this game at home. So I like that one a lot. I found it really interesting. Atlanta, two and a half. Also saw one and a half. At Arizona, favorites. Now, Atlanta, I've been wrong in Atlanta all year. I think a lot of experts have been wrong. It's like you look at the talent positions, you're like, this is a good team, right, Mario? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every year. You got year, Julio. Every... You got Devontae Freeman. You got Calvin Ridley. You got Matt Ryan, Hall of Famer, probably. He's 11th all time in passing yards. How can they not be desperate to help their man, Dan Quinn, and win at Arizona? Now, the Cardinals won. They beat a horrible Bengals team, and I'm a Bengals fan, too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why people think the Cardinals are going to be right there in this game. I heard some experts say, analytic wise, the Cardinals are actually a better team than the Falcons. I just see this as a desperation game. Atlanta, minus two and a half. Now, the game that I and only I will be watching intently, Washington at Miami, possibly for the number one overall pick because Washington is a mess. Miami is apparently tanking. Come on. Obviously. Come on, Redskins. If you are, I, don't, I know you have injuries, but you're a team. You were up 17 nothing in week one on the Philadelphia Eagles. You are not in the same class with Miami. You have to do anything you can for new interim coach Bill Callahan. I, I don't feel great about that one. But come on, the Redskins have to cover this, right, Mario? Absolutely. I mean, it's the Dolphins. Everybody beats the Dolphins this year. Another one is interesting. Uh, New Orleans at Jacksonville. Saints are underdogs with Teddy Bridgewater. I get it. And I think uh, Dan Patrick was sort of arguing with me on this one. You know, Jacksonville, I feel like their defense is really bad this week. They're going to step it up. 
I think Jalen Ramsey will be back. I am into Minshew mania. I am not convinced on the Saints. I know that's going to kill me. It's going to totally. You're looking at me like I just like you ate something bad. Yeah. I mean, the Saints have been good. Teddy's been, Teddy stepped up. So why are they underdogs? My, Michael Thomas had a great game last week. Yeah, I know. So why are they underdogs? I, I mean, I, I'm not Vegas. I don't know. I, I would yeah. take that the other way. Yeah. Come on. Vegas is smarter than you and me. We <laughs> both know it. Uh, and last one interesting Texans at Kansas City. The spread started at eight at the beginning of the week. It's down to four and a half, some places four. I think people are really worried about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. And you saw what happened against the Colts. When he couldn't roll to the right, he was absolutely ineffective. They looked awful. Now, I saw him do that so many times in games where I picked against him last year, where he would just, the pressure would get to him. He'd somehow escape. He'd throw the ball left handed, right handed, it doesn't matter. He is ridiculous out of the pocket. So if that ankle's not healed, then I'm all over the Texans. But I don't know about the Texans. I don't know who they are. And that is why I wanted to talk to today Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach, Quincy Avery. Now, this is a name you may not know. You may know some other quarterback coaches like George Whitfield is famous, Steve Clarkson, maybe Tom House, who, of course, became famous working with Tom Brady. Let, trust me, Quincy Avery is the guy now. He's got so many players. Uh, Deshaun Watson, as I mentioned, uh, he's... Worked, obviously, with uh, Justin Fields, who is now at Ohio State. He's worked with Jalen Hurts, who's at Oklahoma. Uh, he's worked with a lot of guys in Atlanta, a lot of guys in the NFL. I know Dwayne Haskins is on the list for him. So he's got a lot of the young guys. And it's really interesting. If Deshaun Watson beats the Chiefs this weekend, I think we're going to view him really close to Mahomes, like in the discussion with Mahomes. I know Mahomes was last year's MVP. Deshaun Watson, if you give him time, and you've, the rest of the team around him is playing okay, he's an MVP talent. I thoroughly believe that. It's funny because he went right behind Mahomes. And, of course, Trubisky went way higher in yep. that draft number two. <laughs> I think we're going to look back at that historically and say, how did teams miss on Deshaun Watson? All he did was win in college. Yeah. And uh, the arm is amazing. Like Everything's there. I, I have no idea how that happened. I can see missing on Mahomes because he played at Texas Tech. Uh, real quick before we start with Quincy, did you know that I discovered Patrick Mahomes? Did you? So, I thought Dan Patrick discovered Patrick no, Mahomes. Oh, no, no. He discovered that he was going to go really high. Okay. In 2014, I was down in Texas doing a story on 7-on-7, uh, seven seven, the emergence of 7-on-7. Seven yeah. seven. I interviewed two quarterbacks in depth. Jared Stidham, who is now a backup on the Patriots, went to Baylor, then transferred to Auburn, uh, and that's who they ran. Then I had 700 words on this kid at a White House high school named Patrick Mahomes, who was notable because his dad was in the, in the major leagues. Yeah. SI cut the entire Mahomes part. Uh, and I don't think we either ran it online. But the other day, like a few months ago, an SI photography guy called me. He goes, do you know that we have 600 pictures of Patrick Mahomes when he was 15 years old at 7-on-7 seven seven in camp? I'm like, yeah, I did the interview. But what happened was they were sure at the time that he was going to play baseball. They're uh, like, this dude is a first-round pick. He is, arm is insane. So he wasn't that well-known of a recruit. Like Stidham was yeah. much, much bigger so he, that's why I think why he ended up at Texas Tech to some extent because baseball was always in the picture. But it's so funny. A lot of these guys, I think, I, I don't know for sure. I imagine Deshaun Watson was amazing at baseball. All these quarterbacks are amazing yeah. at baseball. Pitcher, shortstop. I mean, all these guys, if you have a rocket arm, you know, as a football player, it's pretty that, sure that you have a rocket arm somewhere on the field. Jameis, right? Remember how I said, Mario, about not like talking as much? Maybe like get to the point faster? <laughs> I was trying to give a couple examples. So you played college baseball. Is that what you wanted to say at Sacred Heart University? I didn't play at Sacred Heart. I played in another school. 
What do you think of Bubba Starling, who was like a top quarterback recruit? Yeah, he went Nebraska, to, was it? Nebraska, yeah. and decided to go in the draft. How high did he go? Royals. He went to the Royals. Fifth overall? Top 10, definitely. Made a ton of money, but has not made it has in the not, pros. Yeah, he's played in the pros, but he's not been anything significant. What would you have done? Baseball or baseball. football? Yeah, I mean, baseball, mm-hmm. there's more longevity. Longevity, you have that guaranteed contract, right? Yeah. And you can play longer, right? I mean, what's the average... Um, career for somebody in the NFL, or right? But quarterbacks get so much glory. If you're Jameis Winston, I think it's if you're Kyler Murray, it's a no brainer. If you're going to be a number one pick, there's nobody more famous than a quarterback. Well, I guess it's what you're looking for. You're looking to make a ton of money over a long period of time, or if you're just looking for you know ten years at the top. Yeah, but you're you're right. But obviously, Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston are a different level of talent. If you're that good at quarterback, I think it's a different story for most people. Uh, I, by the way, is Justin Fields a baseball player? I imagine yeah. he was a great baseball player. Yeah, 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 he was. So we'll talk to Quincy Avery, the quarterback coach, about all these guys, and he has a great backstory. Let's get into it right now. All right, Quincy, I'm going to put you on the spot with a tough one. How close are Deshaun Watson, your pupil, and Patrick Mahomes right now? I think they're they're pretty close. Um, just because they do a lot of things differently, I think people view it a little. I, I think they feel feel like the gap is a little bit bigger than it is. Um, Kansas City puts Pat in position to, to really go crazy in offense. Like it's just a vertical passing game, puts him in a great position. And I think Deshaun does a lot of things, like adds a lot of value with his legs, and he's doing a lot passing wise. So I mean. Right now, I can understand why people see it as a big gap, but but this Sunday, I think we'll see it's a lot closer than people think. How are they different as quarterbacks? So the thing that I'll say about Pat Mahomes is he's a generational arm talent. Like the things that he does with his arms, with his arm is is unique to simply him and maybe like Brett Favre. Brett Favre, Deshaun plays the game in a different way. Like his arm may, might not be as strong. But he has amazing spatial awareness, so he really understands how defenses move together. He does. He's been doing a great job this season throwing with anticipation, uh, and he's very, very difficult to bring down in the pocket. So he creates so many plays and he extends so many plays with his legs. All right, let's do a quick rundown before we dive into. I, I love your backstory. What I've read about it. We're about to get into that, but first, tell me who have you worked with that's in the NFL right now. I've worked with Deshaun, I've worked with Pat, I've worked with uh, Manny Wilkins, I've worked with Tyrod Taylor, I've worked with Davis Webb, Josh Dobbs, uh, I've worked with Jameis. I got That's all that's like on the top of my head. Did you say Haskins? Yo, Dwayne Haskins. Shoot, completely forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, I did his whole draft prep. Yeah, I mean, I got a long list of NFL guys. Okay, and who are the top college guys you have that we might be watching on Saturdays right now? You're going to be watching Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. You're going to be watching Sean Clifford at Penn State. Uh, Justin Fields, Ohio State. Uh, Jaron Williams, Miami. Emory Jones, you'll see him start probably this Saturday at Florida. Not bad. Yeah, I got a few more. Sorry, I was kind of blanking on (laughs) Oh, that's okay. You know, (laughs) the quarterbacks are too busy playing right now to listen to this, so they're not going to be offended. They will not hear it. But, uh, all right. So tell us how you got here. Take me back. Were were you a were you a coach? Were you a player? Can you walk us through the process of how you became a quarterback teacher? 
for sure. So I'm actually the son of a football coach. So that's a little bit, bit different. So I've been around the game my whole life. That's all I'd ever seen is, is really the game of football. I went on to play college football at a school called Morehouse. And I, I knew that I wanted to get into coaching immediately after, but I didn't really have an inroad on like where I was going to coach or a coaching staff that was going to let me get on. So immediately after I graduated, I uh, packed up all my stuff, hopped in the car and went to UCLA. Rick Neuheisel had recently got the job, and I, I really just sat on the couch and waited for him to come in. He walked in the office. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, I want a job. He's like, that's not really how this deal works. Um, <laughs> but wait, why Why Rick Neuheisel? Why UCLA all the way across the country? Right, because he was new, um, and, and I knew that he might not have his full staff of like younger assistants at UCLA because – um, he had been out of coaching for a bit. It's not like he was just coming from a job, so he might not have had his staff completely mm. built in terms of, like, graduate assistance and things like that. Um, having been the son of a coach, I kind of knew how staffs worked, so I thought that I would have a good chance in, in being able to latch on there. But had you ever met him, or did you know? No, I had never met Coach Neuheisel. So wait, what did he say when you're sitting there on his couch? He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I want a job. He's like, that. that's not how this works, <laughs> my man. <laughs> and he goes back to his office. So he comes back later on that day, and I'm still sitting on the couch. He's like, yo, what are you doing here? I'm like, no, I'm serious when I told you I wanted a job. I'm sure he just thought I was like a crazy guy who, who was <laughs> like being out of his mind. Literally the same thing happens the next day. Same exact experience. But when he comes out, he's like, all right, if you still want a job and you're here tomorrow when I get here, we can talk. The next morning he gets there, I'm there, and he's like, all right, uh, I'll, I'll see you in a little bit. Just keep sitting here. So about lunch that day, he comes out, grabs me. I talk to him, tell him, tell him what I got going on, tell him I want to start working. He's like, all right, I, I don't have a position for you, but I'll let you volunteer. So I'm like, shoot, I don't <laughs> got much money. I don't got much money, but I'm not going to pass this opportunity. So uh, I, I decided to volunteer as I'm volunteering, though, I didn't have enough money to get a spot to live. So I lived in the locker room, and I slept on, like, the couch in the office for the next two years. Two um, years? Yeah, for two years. So I'm learning from Coach Neuheisel. I'm learning from Norm Chow. It was a great opportunity to just really go all in on football and, and get as much knowledge as I could from the game. Wait, what if you had, like, a date or something? Or, like, or no, what if what are so, no social for dates. No, no, there was no date, no money for dates. So the unique thing about that experience was Norm Chow is like a, a huge morning person and New Heisel is a night person. So you, you got to get there before your offensive coordinator. And he always wanted like his coffee on the desk at 4.30 in the morning. But Rick wouldn't leave until like midnight. And you can't leave the office before oh, the head coach. No. So I had an offensive coordinator who was a morning guy, a head coach who was a night guy. And even if you're not doing any work, you got to guard your desk. You can't leave before a head coach or, or not get there before the offensive coordinator. Wait, is like this a rule. a rule for everybody? So all the other assistants were there too? No. So if you're like a younger guy, like a quality control or offensive graduate assistant, it's not like a written rule. Hmm. But if you know anything about being in these coaching offices, you'll know if you want to get promoted or eventually get a job, you want to be known as like the hard worker. You're really not doing anything. You're just wasting your time. Oh, so all that all that hard work that coaches claim to do, they're just like, are you just like reading social media? Like, what are you doing at 12 at night while Rick Neuheisel's finishing up the game plan? I mean, somebody's doing something, somebody's <laughs> doing some work, but a lot of the time you're just there. Um, 
like people could say they're doing stuff. Like you might be doing something that you'll never take the information. Like, all right, on every third down, where's the three technique? That's not going to be at all beneficial uh, <laughs> during the game. But you you could say you did some work. It's it's really stuff like that. They'll have you doing crazy studies or or anything really just to pass the time. But you know about uh, so I work on the Dan Patch show. Rick Neuheisel's famous on our show. He comes in and brings his guitar and writes these elaborate folk songs with, and he changes the lyrics to college football. Did he whip out the guitar a lot, or was he all business as a coach? He was pretty much all business. The, the guitar would come out during... Uh, he'd bring the guitar out for like recruiting trips, recruiting visits. Oh, like okay. So he'd, he'd give you a little glimpse. He would, <laughs> he would spruce it up for the, for the guys coming out on recruiting trips. So that was, that was cool. But is he, he's a lot more serious behind the scenes? He's a pretty serious guy, but he's actually really fun to work for. Yeah. Rick was... I, I can't... There's not one complaint about working for Rick Neuheisel, but he was definitely more serious than he comes off on TV. Got it. Okay, so you're you're an assistant at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever get paid? Did, did you ever get promoted to a job? Did you... The last, the last year I got paid a little bit, not a lot, but then on track to get like a, a GA or a position job, and then I, I was watching all this quarterback film evaluating guys, like determining who we should recruit. And then I started seeing some quarterback developers like start popping up and it looked like they were doing pretty well. And I'm like, I could keep coaching and be really dependent on what head coach goes where and how well we're doing. And we weren't doing very well at UCLA at the time. Or I could start paving my own path and quarterback train. Guys will definitely want to train with me because I'm working at UCLA. Um, So I decided to take that route after my second year. Now, wait, who's who's in this field? Like, I know George Whitfield, Steve Clarkson. So George Whitfield and Steve Clarkson were the only guys that I really saw doing it. Mm-hmm. And they were both in California. Now, there's a lot more guys doing it, but those are the only two guys you saw, like, prominent faces. Right. Tom House? Did you did you run into his people at all? I didn't. Like, Tom House was doing his thing, but he was, like, just NFL guys. Okay. And he wasn't as publicized then. So I didn't know necessarily about Tom House. But I started hearing about him as I got more entrenched in it. Okay, so you're going to become a quarterback coach. Uh, how does that's this work? How do how do you become that? See, that that was the hard part. I thought <laughs> it'd be really easy. So I'm like, all right, LA is not the place. Let me go to Atlanta. It looks like there's some kids coming out of Atlanta, and I went to college there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head back. So I pack up all my stuff out of the locker room and drive to Atlanta. And I'm like, all right, how am I going to get clients? So um, I didn't have a place to stay. I'm living out of my car. I would wake up every morning, go to the gym, then immediately from the gym, go to Starbucks and start messaging every kid who I thought was a quarterback. So I Google all the rosters from like these middle school, elementary teams. Elementary teams and middle schools? Any kid who looked like a quarterback on these rosters, I was emailing, like anybody. I didn't know that that wasn't a good plan. So I probably, <laughs> I spent, I spent like probably two months doing that, man. Looking at all these rosters, sending thousands of messages to kids. And I was not successful in getting anybody to come work with me for, I think I was asking for like $20 a session at that point. Nobody. <laughs> That's not a lot. Right. Tw- you're, first no. of all, you're not going to get your apartment at $20 a ses- session anyway. No, no, no. I wasn't going to get anything at that point. I was, <laughs> I was just trying to get a meal. So I was, I did that. It was unsuccessful. I'm like, all right, how am I going to do it? Eventually I'm like, all right, I'm going to say I'm throwing an elite camp for the best of the best. 
and this is going to be free. But I didn't have enough money to really rent a facility or a field. I talked this guy at a, a soccer facility into letting me use his field at 5.30 in the morning, not realizing that the best of the best kids aren't going to train at 5.30 in the morning, but I'm going to set this camp up. So I sent out these invites. I thought they were pretty elaborate at the time. I look back at it now as a joke. But um, no one ended up coming. But what happened was Josh Jobs was like, hey, I saw you were having that elite camp. I couldn't make it. Will you do? Will you, can we set up a private training session? Wow. I'm like, 100%. Let's do it. Josh now, Jobs didn't have any offers how, at the time or anything like that. Oh, go is ahead. He, is he a big quarterback at that? Like, yeah, I know Josh Jobs is now. But at that time, was he nationally recognized no. yet? No, no, no. No one knew about Josh. Like, he was good. Like, he was okay, but he didn't have any scholarship offers. Didn't make Elite 11. Elite 11 is a premier, like, high school uh, quarterback development program that he ended up earning an invite to. So he didn't have any of that stuff. We had a private session. He liked me. And me and him probably worked out every day for, like, a summer. And at the end of the summer... He had gotten 28 scholarship offers. He had oh, earned wow. an invite to the Elite 11. Um, and that kind of started my career as a, as a private quarterback instructor. And he's like a he's like a physics nerd, right, Josh? Is he oh, like the man. smartest dude in the world? Aerospace engineering, he is super sharp. So <laughs> that training session had a bunch of fake cameras that didn't really work, and I was trying to spruce it up, so it was cool. <laughs> so, okay, so how did he become so big so fast? And, like, were you attached to him, and did this help your career? For sure it helped my career, but what ended up happening is the Elite 11 saw him and like, yo, your fundamentals are really good. Um, would love to meet your quarterback coach. Okay. End up going there. I meet Trent Dilfer there. He has this big quarterback, like the hoo-hoo of quarterback training goes out to Ohio State, and we're all running a camp together. He selects me as one of like the seven coaches who are going to be a core coach for Elite 11. Um, and that kind of blossomed my career. I met like Deshaun Watson from there, uh, Deshaun Kaiser, a number of other guys. I mean, who's like every quarterback goes to Elite Eleven, um, and from there it, it kind of allowed my 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 career to take off. So you don't have to go through rosters and email guys like. But is most of your work, at least early on, was it in Atlanta, or did do you travel yeah. to other quarterbacks? No, it was really all in Atlanta. I didn't have enough money to travel anywhere. So okay. It was, it was all in Atlanta. Uh, just started building up from there, um, and then it's kind of grown into what it what it is now. I mean, now we got like 160 kids in our Sunday program. Hmm. That is Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, Houston, um, and, and I, I make that trip every Sunday. So I'm traveling to those three cities, and we got a staff of like 17 coaches. Oh and wow! We have some big camps. So we we've. We've grown quite a bit since 2013. I love when people say, like, oh, man, it happened pretty rapidly, but nothing about this whole thing <laughs> so rapid. So um, do you travel and do individual lessons for the bigger clients you have? Yeah, it was, I, I'm, I'm always doing that. I think after after the, was it the Jacksonville game or something like that, a thing on CBS came out that saw me, like, working with Deshaun Watson on the field after his game, and that's, that's pretty typical of stuff that I'm doing with the NFL clients. Um, oh, wait, let so me ask, when the elite high school kids, do they come to you now or do you still recruit? And, for example, because Atlanta seems to be a bit of a hotbed now. So take me through, like, um, like there's obviously we know the names of the quarterbacks there, like 
Jake Fromm was in the area. Trevor Lawrence was in the area. Do you reach out to them, or do they typically reach out to you? I not that you had those guys, but what has it worked with the elite amateur prospects? No, the elite amateur prospects. I really wait on them to reach out to me. Okay, um, I, I've known most of those guys since they're about sixteen or seventeen. So I'm always in contact with them. Like, I'll shoot them a text, like, hey, man, saw you're doing really well. But I'm never, like, I'm not going to ask any guy if I can train him at this point. Not even Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> no, nah, I'm not asking him to train him. If oh. he wants to train, he, he'll know where to reach me. So, Justin Fields, when did you start working with him? Uh, Justin came out, like, when he was in eighth or ninth grade, he came out a few times. Um, and then since then... Worked with him a bit. I wasn't available in Atlanta as much. He works with another guy in Atlanta that does a really good okay. job. But now, um, during college, he comes out there in like his spring breaks and things like that. So was he, um, who's the guy in Georgia who is like the sure thing? Was it Justin Fields? Was it Trevor Lawrence? It feels like those guys were nationally known since very early in their high school careers. Yeah, I mean, those guys have pretty much been, been locked since like, I mean, you saw Trevor Lawrence in ninth grade. You knew he was going to get an opportunity to probably play in the NFL. But to me, Justin Fields like has been a a lock since the day I met him. Like how strong his arm went at that that age. Yeah. I um, mean, to see what he's doing now is super cool. He does a thing. Can I ask you about at Ohio State now, where he rolls against his body and will throw the ball like thirty yards downfield? That doesn't seem like something that a you would normally coach a quarterback, but be that any most quarterbacks can do. I feel like Aaron Rodgers and like five other quarterbacks can do it. What kind of quarterback does that kind of throw? So it's really cool. It's like the off platform stuff, but he has, he's really good at just moving to his left. I think you're talking about yeah. what he does so well. And, and, and Justin was an amazing baseball player. So I think he got an opportunity to work on a lot of those skills, doing those things. Mm. Like he would have been a, a professional shortstop. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Justin was that talented at baseball. But he has the ability to, he's flexible enough that as he can move to his left, he can flash his left shoulder, if you can think about it with me. Moving to his left, flash his left shoulder all the way to his target to create the rotational tension and drive the ball downfield. There's there's a few guys who, who do it really well in the league right now. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Pat Mahomes has that ability. I think Deshaun does too. But you're going to start seeing more and more of that as these guys coming up, as they keep working with these quarterback developers who start letting them work on things like that at an early age. You don't you don't have the, the coach who's telling them, don't move to your left and make that throw anymore. you got guys who are challenging them to do it, and they start working at it, getting better at it at such an early age. We uh, once interviewed Tom House, and you know he was a pitcher, a uh, major league pitcher, and talked a lot about torque. And kind of it feels like what the average person doesn't understand is how much of it is about sort of hip flexibility. What is there anything like any kind of one lesson that you first try and impart on quarterbacks? Do you have a trademark thing like turn your hips or do something? Is there something that like you uh, you feel that like the first thing that you're hitting most quarterbacks with? First quarterback is, is base balance rotation. Like I, those are my fundamental principles that I train on. Um, you got to get to a great base. You got to be on balance no matter what you're doing. And then you got to be able to rotate. Um, so being the rotation thing is, is something that actually I, I used to study a lot of time. I was things and I got a lot of it from him, but being able to create the rotational tension that you need to be able to generate force from the football is really a key component of being able to throw a force energy and velocity. So is that something that great quarterbacks just 
do every time. Like the three things you're talking about, base balance rotation, like is it Tom Brady mastered that those three things? Hundred uh, percent. He plays probably as on, on base on platform as anybody in the NFL today. But those are some key tenets that will allow you to be consistent. It's not gonna necessarily going to make you a great quarterback, but if you can be consistent, then we can start teaching you a lot of the other things. What happens when there's a quarterback who's had a lot of success and seems to regress for whatever reason? Uh, you know, you don't have to say anything negative about him, but Baker Mayfield seems to have taken a step back. It might be all the pressure. But is it possible that the fundamentals like ebb and flow during a career or sometimes they get sloppy if they don't work on them? I can say for a fact that, that a lot of guys' fundamentals um, get worse throughout the season. Mm. Um, and, and that is a result of a few things, right? You don't have the opportunity to work on your fundamentals as much throughout the season. Like just the time that you have is limited. So if guys don't find enough time throughout the season to really hone in on their fundamentals, then you'll see them start to deteriorate or their their skill level go down throughout the season. And it's it's something you got to be really careful of. And that's why I spend a lot of time with my NFL guys going through each game and then spending some time on the field to, to get a workout in mm. almost every week with those guys because you want to make sure that they stay consistent. And I actually saw that with some of my guys last year. Like, we didn't have this the same thought process and we need to work out during the season. But as you watch film, you see it and you're like, all right, how do we fix it? And then kind of came together with me, me traveling to those NFL guys during the season. So that's the thing. And I, I think that the pressure has been a lot for Baker Mayfield. Um, not only the pressure that he's put on himself with all the things that he says in the media, but the pressure that he gets from that O line. Yeah, absolutely. I, do you think it's possible that he could, uh, you think he'll fix it this season, or is that the kind of thing that you might need a whole off season to really work on to, to tighten up? Uh, I, I think it might take some time. I think he's got to spend some time like getting back to who, what made him a special quarterback. He used to be one of the most accurate guys. To me, he threw he threw some very accurate balls last season. I think that he's changed some things with some of his throwing mechanics. Like his base has gotten a little out of sync. He gets a little hoppy, um, and I think that's a lot to do with the pressure that he gets from the O line. If he can start getting his feet in the ground, I think he can get back to what he was doing last season. All right, so Quincy, you become known as sort of the, uh, the Atlanta quarterback guru. Which state currently has the best quarterbacks in the NFL? We're just going to do the NFL guys. Well, no, we'll do a couple college guys. You got Atlanta, and, and you can add anyone. You got Cam Newton, obviously, Deshaun Watson, obviously. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will probably be top five picks. You got Texas is famous. They got Stafford, Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, uh, you go to Andy Dalton. There's tons of pros from Texas. And then the California guys, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady. What state right now do you think, if informally, off the top of your head, which which one do you think is the quarterback king? I'm either going with Georgia or Texas right now at this point. And I think I've seen just so many guys in Georgia lately that have been, I mean, and what's always a good barometer to me is, is that Elite 11 that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. You're usually seeing like four or five guys out of a class of 18 from Georgia. You'll see a couple from Texas and a few from California. So those are definitely the hotbeds. Um, but I think if you ask somebody right now, they'll, they'll talk about Georgia as really where a lot of the upper-tier guys are, are coming from. Why is that? Why, why Georgia now? I, you know, I look back at the history. It used to be Western Pennsylvania. All those Hall of Famers came from Joe Montana and Joe Namath and Johnny Unitas, and then it was obviously Texas and California have had their runs. Why is Georgia all of a sudden such a player in the quarterbacks? 
I think it's a combination of things, but but I don't just think it's talent, right? It's, it'd be weird to think that all these guys just have to be that talented from here. Georgia's done a really good job with developing young guys and allowing them to throw the ball a lot at a younger age, similar to what California did when they had that boom of quarterbacks coming out. But then the high school competition that Georgia adds, mm. I think that puts guys in a really, really good situation. Like The middle school and the theater system for football here is as good as anywhere else in the country. So guys are getting really important and pivotal game reps at an early age where they're throwing the ball. They get to be put in really tough situations. Then you got a huge seven-on-seven system that starts as early as seventh and eighth grade. So even by the time that they've hit high school, they've had thousands more reps than the other guys um, in really difficult situations and competitive situations. Uh, and, and then it, it just allowed them to develop confidence in the passing game. But Texas has a lot of seven on seven. California has a lot of seven on seven. I feel Texas it's a, has a lot of yeah. I'm sorry. Do you think Texas has a big seven on seven? I I've been to their tournament in uh, Texas A and M. Feels like all those guys come up playing that sport too. So it feels like all the big football states have that. But it seems like why would Georgia get an edge over them? Do they really work out outwork them in football? No, no, I think Texas just starts their seven-on programs later. Like, okay. they have probably the best high school seven-on-seven right. format of anywhere in the country, for sure. And California just has, like, more of a flag system when they're younger. Yeah. So, guys, but in Georgia, you're playing with your team year-round, sixth, seventh grade. And okay. you're doing tackle football, then the seven-on-seven. So, it just starts younger. They develop these things at an earlier age. Okay, what do you do with a quarterback who's going to be a running quarterback? Uh, or it looks like a running quarterback? Can you still coach them effectively? If if you can't throw the football, then if you can't don't display the talent to throw the football, then I don't think that it's going to work for you to play at a high level quarterback. Like I want you to be able to move. If you can't move with your legs, then you're probably not a quarterback who's going to be fit for me and my style of training. But if you can do that, then that the leg element adds so much to what defenses cannot do to you as a, as a quarterback. Well, we've seen guys that, I mean, I guess in your mind, Tebow could throw, but like Tim Tebow was incredibly successful and wasn't an accurate passer in college. I mean, running is important at that position, isn't it? A hundred percent. Being able to run, like you just can't play like cover two me. It's oh, really okay. hard for you to play cover one. Like there's a lot of things that the running will cover up. Uh, and Tim Tebow was just like a generational force. I'm, not, I'm still in awe that he was so successful at the college level because of how poor and inaccurate of a thrower he was. Um, I don't think that we'll see that again, though. Yeah, you're right. There aren't a lot of Tim Tebow. Now all the mobile quarterbacks seem to th- be able to throw. What about Jalen Hurts? Did Are you surprised that he's emerged as such a passer after being a little bit more of a runner at Alabama? The thing about Jalen Hurts that I think so unique is he works harder than anybody else that I know at becoming more of a natural and fluid passer this offseason. Uh, the, the strides that he made from his freshman year at Alabama to where he is today in Oklahoma are bigger than anybody I think we've ever seen at the quarterback position. He looks like a fluid passer. When he came out this summer, I thought that people would be shocked to see him um, this upcoming season. I think he, I think that he's shown – the ability to throw the ball on an elite level. You think he could be a first-round pick? I think that he's definitely day one or day two, and if he keeps trending the way he is, he'll, he'll end up in the first round. Okay, uh, I'll let you go here in a second. Are there any high school guys? Is, is there another Trevor Lawrence out there, or another Justin Fields, uh, someone we should expect to see on QB1 who's just way above everyone else right now? 
Man, there's a kid out of Gonzaga High School in Maryland. I'm drawing a blank out of, on his name right now, but I just got done watching him. He is pretty gifted. Like, he's the next quarterback that I think people are going to going to be watching. I think his name's Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Yeah, I just looked it up. Okay. He is phenomenal. Maryland. Is it, oh, actually, I guess Haskins is out of Maryland, isn't he? But that's Haskins not a big. Is out of Maryland. That's not really. I don't think a quarterback's with Maryland. I, I'm surprised that there's not a guy in Georgia or Texas who's uh, jumps to mind. Isn't there a kid in in Georgia too that everyone talks about, like a yeah, Hunter Bailey or somebody like that? Yeah, Haley, uh, Harrison Bailey. He's, Harrison he's Bailey. Really yeah, he's really talented. I don't. He's a really good quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's amazing. If you're talking about that senior class. There's a kid who jumped out at me named C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud out of California. He has the ability. He, he reminds me of a lot of Deshaun Watson, not only in the way that he plays the game, um, but the way that he carries himself and what type of leader he is. So if we're talking about this upcoming class, mm. somebody that you need to watch is C.J. Stroud. Um, he's been heating up on the recruiting trails. Did you ever run into the St. Bosco quarterback, D.J. Ugalele's going to Clemson? Yes. He, so we did. I got. I didn't get to see him in person as much this off season as many of the other guys because he declined the invite to Elite Eleven. Um, but seeing some of the stuff he did sophomore and junior season, just on his highlight tape, um, you know that he he is the most Justin Fields like guy that you will see in the next three or four years. Wait, what does that mean? A Justin Fields like guy? Someone who has the ability to be dynamic with their legs and has a arm that would allow them to have been seen as just a pure passer absent of their legs. Like, he would be a Division One talent if he was just throwing the football and couldn't run at all. But then he adds a unique element uh, of running almost like a running back. Like, he's special. So, should we expect to see a bunch of quarterbacks linked to your name? It feels like it. In the next few drafts, it feels like you might have some more NFL guys in the next four, five, six years coming down the road. I think it's going to be... Uh, a great next four or five years for my guys, and I think we'll see a lot of them in, in some NFL drafts, and we'll definitely see my guys dominating um, Saturday Saturdays in football. That's not bad, and and some Fridays too, and uh, yeah, you you still work a lot of high school guys too. So, oh man, we got Fridays locked down. We got Thursdays for JV football. Like we're we're pretty much we're taking over all levels. Wednesday with the Mac. Do you have any Mac quarterbacks this year? I do. I <laughs> I got a guy named David Moore. You should take it. He, he he's he'll be he's suspended right now for a game, but he's one of he's through for like three fifty, three forty the last few weeks. He'll be back probably next Saturday, and you'll see something he's truly special. Wait, uh, Ball State is there, or no? Who? What? What? Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Yes, I, I. Someone was telling me about him. Okay, wow, that's <laughs> exciting, man. You bet. Are you loving all this attention? I mean, for a guy who was living in the locker room not too long ago, it must be kind of wild. Uh, I didn't really foresee it coming. Like, I really just got into it to help a bunch of guys out. And, and since then, we've just seen it grow. And I'm excited. I'm excited just to be able to help more guys out. Uh, it, it, the way we've been talking today, it probably seems like the focus of everything I do is just on the field. But it's as important to me to be able to help guys deal with all the things that they have to deal with mm. off the field as a quarterback. Um I'm there to talk to them about whatever, like their girlfriends, things they're dealing with in school, like all those little things and the pressures that they have to deal with as a big time college quarterback. I'm, I'm, or NFL quarterback. Yeah. 
I'm here to help them along the way with those things as well. And, and that's as important to me as anything else. And I think that I've just been able to grow my platform to be able to help more guys deal with those things. Just the one thing that's a shame is that there was a tall, skinny uh, athlete of suburban Philadelphia sometime back named Andrew Perloff, who he just had the right quarterbacking coach. <laughs> I could, And also, I was about 6'4", 125, so one hit and I'm out for the season. But man, I... <laughs> I feel, I mean, could you, can you work with anyone? Basically, if if I come down there, can you get me thrown at 50, 60 yards down the field? I don't know about that, but we'll be able to help. We'll get you thrown the right way. I, I can promise you that. I can't, I can't promise much more. That would be a miracle. All right, Quincy, I pre- appreciate the time. Look forward to seeing how you guys do the rest of the year, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Man, that was awesome. I love that guy. I think that we're going to hear more about him in the years to come because look at all these young quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like everybody. Uh, and, you know, he, I love to ask him about who's the hot guy now. I, I always find high school quarterbacks interesting. I'm not a huge high school sports fan necessarily, like nationally, but it, it's fascinating to see a guy like, you know, like the, the sure things, what they're like at 15, 16. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, you said you mentioned before that you met Patrick Mahomes when he was 15. He, he was had, 16, yeah. 15, 16. Did you have any idea that this kid could be a star at any level? Like, what was he like? He was so composed, and he spoke like he was in a press conference at 16. <laughs> I think it was because his dad was an athlete. Oh, my gosh. He knew the game back and forth. He was giving, like, uh, like Tony Romo elite evasive answers. Like, he was just like, it's all about – he gave it all about the team, but he was so good at it. Like, it sounded like an eighth-year quarterback. Really? He just said all the right things. He was super nice. But he was a little bit um, rehearsed, which was interesting. He's like, why would a high school quarterback not be a goofy high school quarterback? He was not. He was like, he was poised like a star at 16. Really? He, oh, absolutely. Like, you could see if you had put him and if you had just talked to everyone on the field, not even seen them play at all, you would have known he was the one star. Really? Oh, without a doubt. So was there like a clear, you said you interviewed Jared Stidham for like the same piece. Was there like a clear distinction there? Yeah, between... Stidham was quieter. You know, Stidham had a really interesting backstory that we won't get into now, but Stidham bounced around as a kid a lot and bounced around in his early years of college. Uh, he is unbelievably nice. He's also incredibly poised, really interesting. Stidham is a, Stidham's interesting. He's physically talented, but I think kind of like Mahomes, like I think his Stidham's edge is mental too. Uh-huh. These are great guys, and I think they're really like smart, hardworking quarterbacks. I think Mahomes, by the way, he does have all that arm talent. I'm not sure that's the main source of his stardom. I think there's a lot more going on there. I think he's got some things upstairs. I know they just make him distinctive. He does have the crazy arm strength too, but yeah. he also... He's like the perfect teammate. Have you ever heard him say anything that wasn't positive about a teammate? No, he kind of comes across how you would describe them yeah. still. He's yeah, composed, yeah. very like... But he's not like so boring. He's not boring. No. He doesn't say anything, but he's not boring. And he's he's really supportive of his teammates. Kind of like a Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I mean, I think all those, like, we talk about any of these guys, It's there's something different about the star quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, for better or worse, dude, like his teammates love him. Like yeah. they'll they'll go to bat. Even Johnny Manziel, as he obviously had everything going wrong, but it felt like the teammates would run like like we love Johnny. Like, yeah, the only person I've heard him or talk about, I mean, at least in college, was yeah. uh, Mike Evans. Yeah, remember? What he, he, and he said, by all accounts, yeah, he was he yeah. loved him. Yeah, like there's leadership and in intangibles, uh, which Quincy got into. Like he was mm-hmm. like he wanted to point out, it's not just you know what is it base rotation. 
Ba- I, what were the three things? Base, rotation, and... Balance. Was it? Base, yeah. balance, rotation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. man, I could have been. Uh, six four, dude? You, you I could have been so? a quarterback. No, I never had a good arm. I was a good receiver. I had really good hands, but I could not possibly How be How fast slow. were you? Uh, I could run about a 4.6. Really? The 20, if you're timing the 20. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> pro rate's out to 9.2. Oh, my 40 is so bad. I had no speed. How about you? Did you ever do timing tests? No. No, I've done a 60 because in baseball, it's a 60. Okay. So, but I, I was slow. What was your uh, fastest pitch? I never pitched. Right. Only, no, but you so, must have I, yeah, I could like 80. 80. That's my, not bad. Yeah. 80, like the second. I, I was a catcher. So. Oh, so you're supposed to be slow. Yeah. 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 I was, I was never fast. Uh, do you, and did you play football? No, my dad never let me. My dad was like, oh, you'll just stick to baseball. He didn't want me getting hurt or anything like that. So in your position would have been quarterback, because you have an arm. Yeah, 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 I can sling it. Yeah, <laughs> did you get guys attacking a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. That's what That was like the best part of catching, you know? Yeah, and who's the best at that in current baseball right now? Yadi mm, Molina. He's better than Ria Muto? <laughs> Probably not at this stage. He's a little older now. He's yeah, a little, he's, getting a little uh, Phillies plug in there. All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening to Against the Grain podcast. When uh, Quincy Avery blows up and we can't get him on here in a few years, just remember he started out here. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so and hit us up on Twitter at Andrew Perloff. What's your tweet? Mine is Mario Mir 13 M A R I O M I R. One three. Yeah, your Twitter feed is crazy, man. I love it. It's the best. I'm trying. I'm trying to build it up a little bit. Thanks for listening.